Welcome to the favorites, the podcast from the Action Network. It's New Year's Eve day. Later on in the show, Simon Hunter, professional better, and Darren Ravel, professional non-better, is going to be on the show. They're going to be on the show. We're going to review our year for the Westgate Las Vegas Super Contest. We did not win $1.5 million. We did not win any money, but we came oh so freaking close. We were 4 and one in the final weekend of the year, we finished one and a half games out of the money, which is just crushing. But Darren and Simon are going to come on and we're going to talk about what we've learned and review the season for a few minutes. We're going to congratulate Simon on getting us to Yahoo's as close as he did because it was not easy. I can tell you that right now. But first, Joining me for the last podcast of the decade, 2019, from New Orleans, representing all the Boyd Gaming books throughout the country, Bob Scucci. Mr. Scucci, how are you? Chad, what's going on? Dude, we made it through another season. I, of course, was brilliant. In case you need a reminder, I went... What was your final tally? Let me give you my final tally, Bob. It was 141, 112, and 3. 55.7% was my winning percentage against the spread. What do you think of that? That's pretty strong. I mean, approaching 56% is really good. But I don't think people realize how hard how hard that is to do. I mean, you, you know, I, you, you hear people saying that they hit 60, 60%. I, that's over a short, short sample of games, I'm sure. But to do 256 games throughout the entire football season, every NFL game, that's pretty good. How hard is it, Bob? How hard is it to do that? What would you say you would have expected me to do betting every game? I would have expected right around 54%, 53 to 54%. And that would have been very good as well. You know, every year for the last 15, 20 years, one of the local papers here in Las Vegas, they have all the bookmakers at uh, kind of all the, the, the major casinos uh, do kind of something similar. They pick every game uh, throughout all the, uh, uh, the NFL season. And remarkably, almost all of them are right at 50%. So, so these, are all, these are all the sports book directors. You know, some, some of them are well below 50%. Some of them are a little higher than 50%. But very rarely do you see anyone approaching uh, you know, anything close to 60%. So here's what's interesting to me is I never expected to not make money on this. So as you know, like I was doing this with a friend and we put in money at the beginning of the year. We never had to put money back in. We went 11 and five the first weekend. And for the rest of the year, we were playing basically with the initial investment. So we never had to put money back in in order to bet all 256 games which was a thrill because I was actually nervous about that. Um, but I, for some reason, I never expected to do anything less than be ROI positive in this. 
<laughs> yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty uh, positive thinking there. Pretty confident. Yeah, well, listen, I am a confident, confident man. Scooch. I mean, the point spreads. I mean, the point spreads are specifically designed so that everyone goes fifty-fifty. That's what makes it so difficult. And picking picking winners is kind of knowing or or seeming to know what is not built into the point spread. That's kind of the trick of handicapping is finding some kind of uh, angle or metric that's not built into the point spread so, because that's it's what they're designed for, so that everyone goes fifty-fifty. So what I think is not built into the point spread is usually public perception. And what I mean by that is the public perception that comes from having watched the games and then try to intuit what you think the public is going to believe and then betting against that. And we've talked a lot about the Dolphins. We talked a lot about the Colts early in the year. We talked a lot about the Jets in very specific spots and sort of the public knowing what it last saw and then automatically deciding that's how a team was going to perform the following week and knowing that you as the bookmaker were going to shade the team that they were playing or shade the team that they were playing. When do you as the bookmaker start to reconsider your position? When do you think the public gets so smart that there is no value in sort of overshading based on what you think the public is going to believe. Yeah, I mean it's different. I, I, I can't generalize and say when. I mean it's 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 kind of a feel, and and when you're seeing, I think you have an advantage when you're able to see thousands and thousands of bets coming across every day, and you kind of you're you're almost getting inside the mind of the casual better, which is scary actually when you think about that. <laughs> But but you start to see their patterns, and uh, you can almost predict what they're going to do and when they're going to jump off a team and when they're going to keep riding a team. Um, and, and that's kind of what we try to do is get in get into their into their heads to kind of predict what they're going to do, so we can kind of head them off at the pass. And then kind of at the same time, you've got the opposite thing working where you're going up against the sharp professional betters, and in many cases they're on opposite sides of the the casual fans. So. It's uh, it's just one of those dynamics that keeps going back and forth. I have always believed that bookmakers are probably the best psychologists in the country. They know more <laughs> yeah. about what the public is thinking and what people are thinking than they do when they're actually doing it. Like you guys know what people are going to do before they do it. And you know why they're yeah. going to do it. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because like I'll – like on Mondays or Tuesdays each week and I, I run into people and they tell me, uh, yeah, I, I had seven out of eight teams and, uh, and I could always tell them what their eighth team was that the, the losing team. And then they're always amazed. And I'm like, let me guess you lost on this game. We're like, how'd you know that? <laughs> well, I just picked uh, all the most popular teams and saw which one was the biggest uh, surprise. And that was, <laughs> that was the one that you, you had that cost you your eight team parlay. You're like, because it's my job to know. Because without yeah. you, I don't make any money. <laughs> exactly. That's what you want to say. Scooch, we got a bunch of playoff games this weekend, so we got to dig in. You know what I'm saying? Are you ready to do that? I do. Here we go. Saturday, Buffalo at Houston. Houston is a two-and-a-half-point favorite 
as you know, I am also in a very high-stakes Super Bowl pool. The beginning of the year, uh, it's a $2,000 buy-in. There's, four, there's three, four people total. Winner wins $8,000 or $6,000, including, not including the uh, money that they put in themselves. And uh, you pick eight teams at the beginning of the year, and hopefully you win the Super Bowl with one of those teams. I picked eight teams, including I have five teams that made the playoffs. No one else had five teams make the playoffs. I have the Chiefs. I have the Niners. I have the Bills, Texans, and Titans. What do you think of that? That's pretty strong, my man. That is. Scooch, is it possible I'm just really good at this? It's possible. <laughs> all those years, all those years around the sports books, they're paying it's off. finally paying off. So I got Buffalo visiting Houston, two-and-a-half-point favorites of the Houston Texans. I guess at two-and-a-half, I lean towards the Texans just because they're a short home favorite. But I don't love this game. I don't see a huge advantage here. Yeah, that was kind of what we were thinking. We hung three on this game, and we've taken more money on the Bills than any other game on the board. Uh, part of that is is the initial uh, just opinion of, of the sharp guys on the Bills, but now recently it's because we're the only three left out there. I, like you mentioned, most everyone is at two and a half. Um, I just want to avoid a situation where I'm bouncing back and forth between two and a half and three. I don't want to do that. So I really, if I'm going to get off of three, it's because it's going to be because of a lot of money on the Bills. I did favor the Texans, uh, like you said uh, earlier, given all things being equal, I would probably uh, take the home team here laying a field goal. Uh, the one kind of drawback is that Houston is really banged up. Uh, so they have got a lot of question marks going into this game uh, at the wide receiver spot. Will Fuller, Kenny Stills. Uh, on the defensive side, I mean, they've got cornerbacks, linebackers, all listed as questionable. Uh, that's going to be, I mean, you can fade one or two injuries, but when you're talking about five or six going into a playoff game, it could it could have an impact. And I think that's part of the reason uh, that we're, we're seeing such a, uh, an amount being bet on the bills from, from some of the sharper guys. The ticket count on this one is almost identical. So the, the, the casual fans are just, uh, it's a coin toss to them. But honestly, I feel like if you're going to bet on the bills at my, at plus two and a half, you almost might as well bet them on the money line because to me, this is a field goal game. Yeah. And, and we did, we've got way more money on the bills money line at plus plus one twenty five. Now we were at, uh, we opened up $1.50 on, on the Texans' money line, which meant you could have gotten plus $1.30 on the Bills. Uh, we're down to plus $1.25 and almost no money on the Texans' money line, ironically. It's just, you know, just all Bills' money line, and uh, and we got a little bit more even split bets on the point line on the game, but uh, still just a lot, a lot of money on the Bills. Are you impressed that I transitioned it to money line at that number? That's it's impressive too. I never, never cease to be amazed and impressed by myself and my ability to think about the logic and strategy in sports betting after all these years, Scooch. Uh, you New, are your New biggest England, fan. Yeah, exactly. My biggest fan. New England, someone's got to be. New England is a four and a half point favorite over the Tennessee Titans. I love Tennessee in this spot. I'm not saying that I think they're going to win the game, but I do think that that line seems awfully inflated. Tell me why you got to that line. 
Well, we opened six, so it was really inflated, and we got bet down wow. to four and a half. So yeah, we took it. We took a lot of money on the Titans. I will say that I moved it pretty quickly. Um, so considering a, a point and a half line change from six down to four and a half, there's still a lot of places out there that are at five and a half and five. So we did move pretty quickly, and I agree with you. There seems to be more value on the Titans. It's kind of it, it's ironic that after all these years of needing whoever the Patriots faced. Uh, and all the public money and public support on the Patriots. I think most of the casual fans realize that the Patriots had a really easy schedule this year. Uh, and outside of, you know, the two wins uh, against the Bills, which is probably their kind of defining uh, wins this year. You look back, they beat the Cowboys, but in retrospect, uh, uh, that, that really didn't carry as much weight as it did at the time. Um, the rest of their schedule was filled up with like the NFC East. They played the Giants, they played the Redskins, uh, they beat the Eagles, but you know, a lot of their wins were against teams like the Jets and, uh, you know, Jets, Giants and Redskins and Browns. Not a whole lot of impressive wins. So they do look beatable. And then, of course, that last weekend against the Dolphins as a huge 17 point favorites, uh, that didn't bode well for them either going into the playoffs. Now, having said all that, you just you always have to kind of be uh, be careful anytime you're betting against the Patriots in the playoff situation. I agree. Uh, I do think there's value in this number, but I'm not going to be one of those people who like this is exactly what I'm talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Like, look at what the public is saying. Look at what you just saw from this team. Do you truly believe that the Patriots are as bad as the team that lost to? the Dolphins, and the Titans are really the team that beat up on a Texans team that wasn't playing any of its starters. Like, that's what you got to be considering. Like, I think there's value at four and a half because I think the Titan, the the, Texan, the the Patriots are probably not better than a field goal against anybody in the playoffs. But if it got to a field goal, man, I'd be all over the Patriots. Yeah, the, the number's critical here. And uh, like I said, we're probably opened a little too high at that number six. Um, the, the wise guys, sure, they, they let us know that we were a little high on that. Um, you know, but, you know, you look at what this line would have been at the beginning of the season and what it is now. I think it says a lot about how hot the Titans were the last half of the year. I think I've said it every week is that it's one of the teams that the, the Sharp guys have really been riding high on. They absolutely love this Titans team the last five, six weeks of the regular season. And uh, and like I said, the Patriots have looked beatable in every single game. So uh, you know, outside of maybe a forty-three to nothing win against the Dolphins early in the year, or maybe that first game against the Steelers when when Ben Roethlisberger was still in the game, uh, but outside of that, they, they've looked beatable even <laughs> even in games that they won. So um, it, it's going to be it's going to be a, a good one, I think. This is one of my uh, the games I'm most looking forward to. Me too. New Orleans at Minnesota. Uh, New Orleans is, or, I'm sorry, Minnesota at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans is an eight-point favorite. I think I lean Minnesota here, but I don't have a strong opinion. The, the sharp, this is the, the game with the biggest um, split between sharp guys and the public. The public is all over the Saints. I mean, the ticket count on this one is about 12 to 1 right now. Absolutely everybody that's just the casual fan is just walking in and, and just betting the Saints. But the sharp guys have taken the plus eight. I just noticed this morning a lot of places went down to seven and a half, which indicates they're getting uh, the Vikings money as well. 
So our bigger bets are on the Vikings at plus eight, and all the little guys are on the Saints at minus eight. So um, I think it just indicates what you just said. They've got a lean towards the Vikings. It's not real strong, but I think the value is probably a little bit more on the plus eight here. Yeah, I think so too. But I, I, it's my least favorite. It's my least favorite of all the games on the board. Uh, the other game, the last game, I love this. Seattle <laughs> minus one and a half at Philly. Do you know what I love about this? What? I love getting a home dog in the playoffs. A team that nobody is thinking should win anything. Yeah. Yep. That's what I love. Um, yeah, this is, this is going to be our biggest game on the board for several reasons. Uh, number one, everybody sees the Seahawks as the much better team, the casual fan. They just see that you know, the Seahawks had uh, a couple of real close games against uh, the 49ers, winning one, losing one, both games pretty close. Um, Eagles really hadn't uh, – they've been kind of battling injuries all year. They've been up and down. They, they kind of backed their way into the uh, – uh, into the playoffs, not impressive the entire season at all. So there's absolutely no reason for just the general public to like this Eagles team. So it's a big game for that reason. And second, it's the last game of 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 the four, which means that all of the liability going from all the other three games, the parlays, the teasers, everything, just go into this game, which is just going to uh, uh, make this game so much bigger than what it is right now. Uh, and by far, it'll be the biggest of the four games. So we're going to be huge, huge Eagles fan fans. I, I just went to two probably about an hour ago, actually. We were at one and a half as well. But for the reason I just indicated, I said, let me be on the high side. I could actually see this line going to two and a half um, pretty, pretty soon during the week. I don't know if it'll get up to three, but you could probably grab a three somewhere if you are an Eagles fan and you want to wait uh, until uh, until Sunday to, to, to get that three. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I am so freaking waiting. You know what I you know what's interesting? I started the year with this Project 256 going 11-5. I ended the year going in 11, going 11 and 5. And what I did at the end of the year that was the smartest thing I could have done I waited. I waited as long as I possibly could until Sunday morning to make some of my bets because I felt so good about some lines going in different directions, and it totally <laughs> made sense. It totally mattered. Wow. Get, wow. Like, honestly, get the best of the numbers, Scooch. You've been saying it yeah. for years. I believe it. I'm going to wait on the yeah. Eagles game. I'm going to bet that game at plus three. I like it. All right. All right, Scooch. Guess what? It is time. What? It is time to play a little scooch roulette. Last week, uh, I believe I had the Dolphins last week. Or did you have the Dolphins? I, I had the Dolphins. I forgot who I had. Patrick, you, you were listening? going back and forth. I forgot who you had, too. Patrick, Houston? You who I took? Yeah, you had Houston. I had Houston. That was terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> after you're touting yourself after that huge buildup, that's who you had last week. All right, Scooch, guess what? You get to go first. You won last week. I get to go first. I'm going to take the Vikings plus that eight points. Good. You know what? That's the game that I was least interested in. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. I have been fooled by the Texans 8,000 times. 
yet I can't quit the Texans. I'm going with Houston, <laughs> going with Houston minus two and a half in Scooch Roulette round one of the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> Bob Scucci, I want to wish you and yours, uh, whom I adore, a very happy new year. Thanks again for a wonderful, uh, thoughtful, and exciting NFL season of handicapping and podcasting. I had fun. Happy New Year to you and yours and everyone out there. Be safe. All right. All right, coming up right next after this, we are going to bring in Simon Hunter and Darren Ravel. We're going to review our attempt to win win, uh, $1.5 million in the Westgate Las Vegas Super Contest. As promised, bringing back Simon Hunter, professional better, Darren Ravel, my colleague, friend, and sometimes nemesis at the Action Network. All season long, Simon was on one of my favorite stories of my career is the fact that Simon Hunter just tweeted at me and said, hey, I think I can help you in your super contest. I called him up. He has a great story. I'm a sucker for stories. I like the guy. We had a great conversation. I said, come on the podcast. Every week, Simon took time out of his busy schedule as a professional better to come on the podcast and give Darren and I expert advice. I got so much positive reaction from people about Simon, like becoming more and more valuable week to week on the podcast. It was fantastic. Um, we were trying to win $1.5 million in the Westgate Las Vegas Super Contest. It didn't happen. We tried to cash, just win a little bit of money. Went into the final weekend, probably needed to go 4-1 and one and 5-0. and oh. We went 4-1. and one. We finished one and a half games out of the money. Still, a valiant effort. We finished 48, something like 48 and 35. Um, Simon... Listen, I, I like we owe you so Darren and I owe you so much gratitude. Thank you for doing this all year. And now, a word from a wise guy with Simon Hunter. Yeah, man, it was really fun, and uh, it was funny that like I I do it with other pros. Like we do a super contest together. So like we do a rotation where like you know two guys pick two, two guys pick one, then one guy picks one. And we actually finished above us. So it's just funny, like a group of pros, like the one guy's pro in college, the other guy does pro baseball. Um, we actually beat my group. Um, and then in gold, we finished uh, like two back, or like one back of the leader who the guy just had a great final week, just like us. Like he went four and one. So I, I unfortunately, just like you guys, I got bust. I got busted this year for super contest, no money, but that's why we play the game, buddy. It's super fun. Now, gold is sort of the elevator, so people understand. Gold is like the next level super contest. Um, what's the buy-in for that? Right. Where gold is, it's winner take all. So it's it's a big, big money pot where I think it was 5000 this year. And basically, there's like 113 of us. So... I would say like 20 to 30 guys in it are just, you know, Joe, Joe public guys who got money and they're just trying to have fun with it. And then the rest are just really good pro groups. Like the group, the group that won this year was a pro group. And then with the super contest, I think the guys that won were two buddies from Nebraska. Um, so that's, what's so great about the super contest is that you just got to get on a hot run. And just like us, where we're, we're done this year and I'm going through all our picks. There's just so many games you go back to, wow, if we just had gotten two different games right, we'd be in, we would have been in the money. So it's, it's tough when you're that close so you don't get anything. 
it is so crushing, and I can think of the two games. Darren, I want to bring you in for a second. Uh, I know you're, you're with family today. I can today, think of the so week, Chad. I can think of the week, Chad. All right, let's talk about it. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and do it. There was one week, I think it was probably week 14. Uh, yeah, where, three weeks ago. Yeah, and, and I, I gave my five picks, and you decided you were going to say that they were terrible, and you did. Horrible or terrible? I'm not sure the exact word. I think and, I said uh, and I they said went horrible. And they went four and one. So you're saying if I uh, hadn't judged you that week, we would have won. Well, we I don't know because 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 for mo- for most of uh, you know, this has been a great experience for me. I mean, this is really my first season of betting football like this, both on the side and through the super contest. And I was really skeptical of of as a square myself. I was really skeptical of sharps, and I was like, oh come on, they just. They just take the other side of the public just to say they're cool and they're pro. And, and what I learned through Simon and you is that the reason why sharps are sharps is not necessarily because they know more. It's that when the public is on one side, obviously, especially recency bias, there is value in the other side, which is often where the sharps are. And so I under I played m- myself. I was fifty seven point eight percent, you know, on my own, and I I really learned about playing against recency bias that, you know, kind of just makes the public do what they do. So I learned a lot too. So I want to thank you guys. You know what I want to say? You want to say, Darren? How many games did I save you from this year? Where we would have been so much worse off. Correct. So let's not you talk did, about you did, you did. that four and one week where I said they were horrible. Let's talk about all the games you're like, oh, I got to go with this one. I'm like, Darren. That is terrible. that is true. That is true. That is true. That is true. You got. You guys want me to go through the list of our best and worst calls? Yes. yes love that. Go. Uh, all right. So we'll just start with the worst. So we can get that out of the way. So it, it is hilarious going through these picks now that the season's over. Uh, I loved the Bengals. Week two, plus one against San Fran at home. Think about that. I, th- I thought there was value on the Bengals plus one against San Fran. You know what, though? I so, Like, looking back, looking back, it's not a – it wasn't a bad pick. Like, the Bengals showed up in week – you liked them in week one, right? Right, and you guys wouldn't right. take it. Right, and, like, they actually didn't play horribly in that game. And, like, week one is always tricky, but I don't think that was a horrible pick. Like, looking back, of course, the Bengals, literally the worst team in the NFL. The Niners, one of the two best teams. And so, of course, it's horrible you're taking them at plus one. But looking back, I don't think that was a bad pick at all. Right, right. But I'm just saying, you just love looking back where, oh, my God, I'd San Fran minus one against the Bengals. Like, that's, that's like, a layup. So, it's just funny. Yeah. And then for Darren, Darren had a couple bad plays, but – for the biggest one, we're going to go with, we had one week, we were 5-0. and That was when Darren wasn't on the show. And <laughs> instead of going, I, like, I, loved, I loved the Chargers, and they were playing the Green Bay Packers at home. I think they were plus three and a half. And Darren wouldn't, wouldn't have it. He said, no, 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 we're not taking the Chargers here. That's a dumb pick. Let's put the Bucks in. And the Bucks end up pushing in overtime. So that was, instead of having our only 5-0 and week, we went 4-0-1. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. 
So there's uh, a game right there. The little theme here with the, the same friend. Chad's worst pick of the year by far was he loved the Panthers plus five and a half versus San Fran, where I, I think they ended up losing by 30. I did. That was the uh, – God, this is funny. That was the Panthers coming out of a bye. And yep. Kyle Allen had been playing really well. And the Niners were entering into the back half of the year where they looked a little bit vulnerable. And I thought the Panthers' defense was better than it was. Christian McCaffrey was sort of in the middle of his streak. And my logic was if any team was going to beat the Niners, because they were undefeated at that point, it was going to be this Panthers team, which people were underestimating. And I believe instead of the Panthers coming out of that bye and like going on a tear, they came out of that bye and turned into one of the worst teams in the NFL. Well, it's actually funny. We actually didn't give up on them, so I'll go to our best calls. Literally, I think it's two weeks later, which is even now the season's over. You look back and it's just crazy. But we we found a little spot where this this Titans the Titans have had a crazy run here. I think they've won um, seven of nine to end the year, and we picked the Panthers minus three and a half versus the Titans. That was your that was your best call. Where it was a great spot where the Titans had just beaten I think the Chiefs. They're coming in, and the Panthers, who were looking terrible, that's the last win they've had the whole year. So we got a, we had a good spot there, the Panthers. Clearly, I'm a genius. So Panthers taking on the Titans. Who, who would have thought that? And then for Darren's best call, Darren loved he loved the Jets plus seven versus the Cowboys, and they end up winning outright. What about wait? I'm not I'm not here to toot my horn, but what about my identification on the fact that the Dolphins were two separate teams, and that odds makers were really like not treating them like the second team that they became under Ryan Fitzpatrick? I feel like I I got like four or five weeks on on the Dolphins being the new age Dolphins. Well, Darren jumped the gun there. I have it written down our best teams for us individually <laughs> in the Super Contest. So oh, okay. Darren uh, picking for picking the Dolphins and picking against them went seven and one, which is really wow. really good in the Super Contest. My best was versus and against. So picking for and then picking against was the Titans. I went six and two, and then Chad was really good at knowing when to take the Rams and when to fade the Rams. You went eight and three with the Rams this year in our Super Contest. So wow. we, we were really good. We, we did really good and went picking the Rams. And then it's kind of funny looking at our worst teams. Um, we could not get right with the Saints. We, we won three straight with Teddy Bridgewater. And then every other time with the Saints, we went 0-5. So we, went, we ended the year 3-5 and with the Saints. And I, I think it's kind of funny that you look back. I thought we had done horrible with the Bucks. We actually finished with a winning, winning record picking with and against the Bucks, We went 6-2 and two, uh, for and against the Bucks. So it's, it's one of the things where people are always saying, why do you guys take these ugly, ugly teams, all this other stuff? But, like, when I went through our numbers, our most profitable quarterbacks were Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Listen, if you're going to bet the NFL, you're going to bet bad teams and sketchy quarterbacks – you're not going to win betting Tom Brady and Drew Brees and sort of the guy and Patrick Mahomes. You're just not. I learned that. Yeah, I learned that for sure. There's no such thing as a bad game. That's, those are opportunities. 
Right, and that's uh, one of those where early in the season, early in the season, it's good to do that. We're back. You, you always want to back usually the better team. Like, I think our, we had a really bad one. What was that? Oh, yeah, the week one, we took uh, the Jaguars against the Chiefs. And everything went wrong. The, the Chiefs destroyed the Jaguars. So early in the year, you can get away with taking the good teams. But like, like Darren was saying, when you start seeing the value, like, we're not always going to take the underdog. Like, we took San Fran this week. They were a big public favorite. But that's just because that number was good. But there's other times where there's just so much value. Like, just this past weekend, we were joking about the Dolphins. Why were the Dolphins 15.5-point underdogs to the Patriots? So that's one of those where he's right. You can spot these values as the year goes along with these bad teams. Well, even with the, even with the, the good teams, like the Chiefs, I think they opened at 7. Simon, you and I talked about it on the podcast last week. I got them at 7.5. They raced up like I don't remember where they closed, but I know they were closing above nine. Um, oh, that, the, Titan, the Titans or the Chiefs? No, I'm talking about I'm talking about the Chiefs. Oh right, getting the best of the number that yeah. last week. But you're right about the Titans too. Like the Titans opened at three and a half. Like by Sunday, that game was at seven and a half. And like yeah, and, I, and we joked about that. That like we were unsure to take him or not because we didn't know what Bill O'Brien was going to do. And they said, "What are we thinking here? Are the Chiefs really going to lose to the Chargers?" So thank God we put the Titans in the contest because I think that line closed at 10, uh, minus 10 and a half before kickoff. You know what I also learned from you guys? I The way I used to bet would be I like this team, and now I know, and this, this could be just obvious, but I, now I know and I'm good at staying away if the, if the number – you know, moves too much or is not right. I think before I said, I want to watch this game. It's going to make it more exciting. And so I'm going to bet on them. I pay much more attention to movement now. Look at what we did. And that's that's one of those things too, where um, you can trust line movement, but sometimes sharps will do line movement just to throw you off steam. Like I might be going in early this week. I might've been betting the bills. But I love the Texans. So I bet I might bet just like these other sharks. We're betting the Bills down to get the Texans up the number we want. Yes, yeah, I get, you, I you get that. Yeah, you can't always trust this team, but I, I do. I do think that is a huge part of the, to like know what you're looking at is was watching that. Boys, listen, Simon. I feel like you and I together we raised a fine young better in Darren Ravel, uh, <laughs> who really came around and learned a lot. Simon, like I said, we are uh, forever in your debt. We are all, the three of us are going to go celebrate in a couple weeks. Um, we're going to go to dinner. We'll report back. I'm sure Darren will both Instagram it and tweet <laughs> pictures of it. Um, I want you boys to have a great new year. It was a fantastic season. I enjoyed doing it with both of you. This has been The Favorites from the Action Network. Another season in the books. I want to thank my season-long guests, Bob Scucci, Simon Hunter, Darren Ravel, you can download the podcast from Apple Podcasts, from Radio.com. Search the favorites wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, love you.